0: So we are good here. Got it. Zoom's yelling at me. All right. We are officially live on social media. This is Reflection Artist episode number 51. So a special, special 51 because we have a guest with us, Billy Bogus, And he was on in the early days of uh, launching the Reflection Artist Live. So we are almost year to date within a couple of days difference of the very first um, time we were on with him as an interview till now. So it marks a year from that almost today. And of course, if you aren't familiar with who Billy bogus is, he's been in the industry for over 26 years. And he has the brand American Detailer Garage, also known as ADG. And that's been around for a little over four years. It's, it's made a splash in the industry, along with, of course, his uh, hashtag trenches. And everybody just loves that because that takes it from the traditional uh, in the field, which everybody uses on in every industry, to something that's a little bit more pure to us to relate to in the detail industry. So we want to hear about how he um, came into this, of course, and what got him started in the wonderful world of detail. And so, Billy, thank you for being on and uh, let us know how it all uh, transpired for you.
1: Well, Justin, thanks for having us back. And uh, it just happens to be the Marine Corps birthday today. So, Sipper Fi, happy birthday to all my Marine brothers out there.
0: That's right. Happy birthday.
1: This thing started, ironically enough, in the Marine Corps. You know, uh, growing up, I would I would wash my mom's car or whatever. I didn't know what I was doing. But when I went in the, the Marine Corps, some friends of mine and, and myself in the barracks, we'd press out camis, like, for inspections and stuff like that. We are really good with our attention to detail. And it started with that. And then shortly after I was in the Marine Corps, I got my, my own truck. I got a a 95 Dodge Dakota. If I'm dating myself here, a 95 Dodge Dakota, this is a 97 and I really adored the truck. I took care of it. And so it went from me taking care of my truck to taking care of other Marines vehicles as well, as well as their camis and keeping everybody squared away. Once I got out of the service, I come back home. I really didn't know what I want to do, Justin. Like, you know, I just really, I think we all go through that, whether it's college or the military, or whatever you come home and what exactly do I fit in with, and what did I enjoy? So I took a job with a dealership, you know, a local dealership washing cars, and that's where the the seed for the whole detailing passion and love, I guess, really blossomed was in that dealership. And then from the dealership, so he, we would go went on. Went
0: from shooting things to selling cars.
1: Yeah, well, it didn't quite stay in the same cars.
0: field, but I, I guess. <laughs>
1: Quite the difference. We just took pride in taking something in there and, and just you know seeing what we could make of it. Even though at the yeah. time we didn't know how to we didn't know how to cut scratches out and polish paint, we didn't know that. We just thought you know we're putting some wax in there, maybe an all-in-one with a bunch of filler in there. And
0: but, glazes, you know, the, right? The old the glazes, glazes, man. That,
1: that was the glazes from back in the day. We thought we did a great job. We tried.
0: It looked good until it rained. <laughs> until it rained.
1: As long as we get them sold. <laughs>
0: So that was the standard operation in the dealerships back in. What what time frame, what year would you say that was?
1: Oh, this would have been 99, 2000 era, something like that, yeah.
0: They did, you know, and it's funny though, that time frame, they did step up the glaze game to say, right? They were starting to focus on that, some of the manufacturers making some different blends of glazes versus the traditional body stop stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, back then, you know, I've been using pro products for many, many years too. Back then it was pro gold. That was our number one. Put pro gold on there. It's still, I still think it's a great product if that's what you're looking for, right? Just a one-step gloss enhancement, if you will. But yeah, pro gold, that was that was the one
0: back then. And then, of course, just your traditional waxes and sealants. And I take it that during that time, were the dealerships involved in some of these sealant programs in that time frame?
1: Back then it wasn't. No, it wasn't back then. Um, you know, it was a very, very different era back then. We would still use pace wax on cars.
0: You know, of course,
1: uh, oh yeah, of course the managers, you know, they want you to get the cars out, you know, you got to turn the cars. So it was a pace wax job and, and, and that's what we did. But yeah, that was pretty much where we were back then. And there was no like upselling F and I department, you know, ceramic, there was obviously no ceramic coatings, synthetic polymers hadn't even, they might've been out, but they weren't mainstream at the time.
0: So where did you uh, transition from there with the dealerships and, and learning the detailing aspect of things?
1: And so, the course of my life, you know, I've, I've done kind of two things. I've detailed cars and I've drove semi trucks. And so, you know, I went from there and I would drive a semi truck for a while, get bored with that. Then I'd go work like an auction house and I worked in other detail shops before I started my own detailing business. And so, I, but it really gave me the chance to see how the auction houses run, how detail shops run, how dealerships run, because all of those different sectors of our industry do things in different ways. So, I got to pick up on the the best parts of those in terms of efficiency or whatever and a lot of the things i learned back in those days i implemented obviously now with better technology of products machines throughout my detailing career having my own shop and then transitioning that same process through adg and the way we train and teach people so uh i felt like we were in the body shop too i had some some gigs in body shops too so we took a combination of all those different things and wrapped them all into one and what makes sense in today's market of detailing And I think that was probably, if I was to look back and point at one thing, Justin, that's probably the one thing that I'm grateful for over my career in the industry is all the different things I learned from the different sectors of the automotive reconditioning industry.
0: Yeah, no, that definitely helps a lot because, I mean, you know, when you look at, of course, the body shop side of it, they're starting from the substrate on up and then the detailers pick up from where they leave off with the finish on up. So being able to be well-rounded definitely helps.
1: Well, in the early days, I really got to see how thin paint was, right? And how thin clear-cut was and what it took to, you know, because I used to be big into leveling orange peel out of of panels and stuff like that. And you really do, because you see the clear-cut going on, you see how thin it really is, you know. So it it was great to see pretty much everything, like you said, from the substrate all the way up to the finished product.
0: And it's crazy because I still see, you know, with as thin and cut back on materials where where we are experiencing, you know, with finishing these newer vehicles – There are still detailers out there that are chasing those types of things. Now, granted, if it's from the body shop and it's been sprayed multiple times, that makes sense. But to take, of course, the OEM paint that's already so thin, you know, typically it's as thin if not thinner than a piece of sticky note paper and try to level out orange peel. I feel that that's just compromising the paint system to a whole nother level.
1: Yes, it's not something I recommend doing. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, it's not something I recommend doing. I mean, it looks great at the time or whatever, but that's just something that because it doesn't matter how good of a correction artist that you are, um, you know, you can't you can't put the paint back on there once you take it off. And what guys a lot of guys don't realize once you sand that out, you're not done. Right. So you have to leave enough there to refine those scratches and bring that paint back up to the high gloss shine, removing all those scratches, which arguably is more invasive than the sanding processes in the first place.
0: Yeah, no, 100% agree. And that's where that that's you're taking the whole preservation factor out of it. Now you're getting the instant gratification and some people go off. Well, it's what the customer wants. But realistically, you as the professional, they're consulting with you for their best interest. And that is nowhere near in their best interest.
1: You're right. It's exactly. It's just like saying, oh, I'd like to have a dog that's a guard dog. And you try to sell them a Belgian Malinois. It probably doesn't fit what they need. <laughs>
0: I look at it too as another term I use called repair value. You know, once you take that down so far and yeah, you make it look pretty, maybe you stack a bunch of coatings, high solid coatings on it to try to replenish whatever thickness you can. You still have lost so much repair value. So if you ever have to revisit the panel or an area designated, then now you've kind of lost that to where you can't go back to that and compound a heavy sand. You're forcing your customer's hand to a body shop.
1: I've done that actually. I've actually done that and you know, I had a black Yukon Denali 06, and I had sanded the entire truck down. But when I went back to do correction, there wasn't really a whole lot that I felt confident with. So I ended up having to glaze it most of the time, right? Which completely defeats the purpose of doing it in the first place. It doesn't make any sense, other than like you said, the estate, you know, value of looking at it and saying, Oh, look, it looks flat as a mirror today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, today. Today.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, with 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 your detail business, at what point did you start to stumble on the idea of wanting to start your own business, and, and how did that you know how did all that develop? What did the stages of that look like?
1: Oh yeah, I was never really interested in it until probably 2017, something like that. Um, there's a bit of a backstory on that that I don't I don't talk publicly about, but um, some things happened, you know, and uh, some products got discontinued that I liked that were in the marketplace and I was using other products in the marketplace that we had. And I was, I was never in love with them. I just never thought the one that got discontinued, you know, there was anything out there in my opinion that was, you know, lived up to that, that product. So we started thinking of ways to formulate our own product in the beginning. You know, I just wanted to replace that product since nobody else was doing it. You know um, I wanted to come into the market with, with an idea of an envision of a rinseless wash, like we created with wipeout. And now still to this day, believe that it was the best rinseless wash ever created. But that's probably where it started as a void in the industry. I thought, man, it'd be cool if I could have this. But What if I didn't have to have two degreasers or two all-purpose cleaners, all these things? So I had thought about that for a while. But 2017, which is when we launched the fall of 2017, is really when I started diving in and looking into this stuff a lot deeper. Is this something that I want to do? Um, of course, we had started conversations about it, but Never really took it serious until 2017.
0: And then once you took it at 17, took it serious, that's when you really started to, but kind of just explore the market to find these things that are what you consider voids to kind of fill that void with products like you have now, such as F-Bomb, Wipeout, and so on.
1: It did. You know, it started out as, and again, you know, I used to have a degreaser for tires. Then I had another degreaser for interiors. Then I had a third degreaser for body panels. I'm like well what if we just oh, could man. use one product to do all those different things um, and the reason that I did that is I felt I knew what was in those chemicals and I don't want to go out there you know it's not that I don't want to promote people but I don't I don't want to go out there and, and say something that's going to put another brand down because they all make great products okay but some of the products I thought were best for tires I didn't want to use on leather and vice versa you know Um, and I was, I was a detailing nerd. So I tried to go buy and try everything that was out there in the market. But when we formulated our own, I thought the value really is in the guys and their efficiency and their approach to the detailing process, especially when you have employees duplicatable chemicals and processes that you can teach anybody on day one, coming through the front door that you really can't mess it up. So that's how the whole idea really started to create a rinseless wash product. That was phenomenal. That would work, you know, across the board, very versatile. Um, concentrated product, and then, of course, F bomb became as a byproduct of doing that. And uh, sometimes I think, um, sometimes I think we accidentally do great things. So I'm not going to sit here and convince anybody in the audience that I'm some amazing chemist. A lot of things come as a byproduct of failure, and that's how we did it.
0: And you just you you ran these products to the ringer in regards to testing.
1: Yeah, at the time I had a, a dealership. I was working up here at a dealership. And I had all the cars at my disposal that I wanted to use. And I ran these products, ran these products, ran these products. I would torture test the product. Like, Justin, I might wash, you know, five cars in one day and never change my rinse bucket. Just because I wanted to see if the polymers are still going to hold up, right? It's a dealership. They don't really care if it has micro scratches. They don't care. But ultimately, it turned out that the product was so good that I was able to do that with great results. But that was some of the torture testing that went on in the early days of it. And then also in the dealership, you know, we would get trade-ins in where tires would be just caked with that, you know, silicone dressing. And it looked like pancakes or somebody spread on there. So we went to work with that bomb. I was amazed that it was strong enough to strip that stuff off, but yet delicate enough that I could use it on leather interiors, you know, even on carpets. So that's, yeah, we really, we, uh, we had all the cars we needed at our disposal to formulate the foundation, to create the brand.
0: Yeah, I know. And that. that. from what I saw you know in in both the market and social media you know that took out very well especially with with the group that you have you know and that helps I believe and I'll let you speak on that but that group is just the narrative of it is just very educational right and it's not just just the ADG line but it it goes over what everybody has in their shop and it's very helpful correct
1: it is yeah that's that's one of the things is we're one of the you know few groups out there that we're a product discussion group but you can pretty much talk about it, whatever you want. I don't want you to have to promote other brands. Obviously, you wouldn't want that either. But I like to I like to help detailers and teach them. And if teaching them is on the terms that they understand, then we'll start there. right? Of course, I would rather you buy all our products. Uh, but I think the most important thing is trying to get people to be more efficient, more profitable, and approach their detailing business more as a business instead of a hobby. And then we can tackle the rest later. But we do try to do that in the group.
0: No, that makes sense. Uh, as far as um, you know, with with going through and, and and adding, you know, first couple of products being wipeout and F-Bomb from ADG, you know, what inspired you to add the other ones? I know that it's been a, a process in figuring out where those additional voids you wanted to fill.
1: Well, with Valor, you know, we created Valor, our synthetic polymer spray sealant. I wanted to have a product, so if we're going to use a rinseless wash or a traditional wash or whatever. And we're going to cut out the drying step because you don't have to rinse it and dry off with a rinse wash unless you just want to. You can do that. But so we we've washed the panel down. The panel somewhat wet. We want to put a durable sealant on that wet panel. We know as soon as we spray the sealant on the panel, it's going to be diluted by the water, but we still want the long-term effects of the polymer. So we made it a little bit more concentrated, so much so that, like, so, for instance, on a dry panel, if you're going to spray Valor on there, just one spray and wipe it around like like butter on a biscuit, right? Just wipe it around. The product is designed to be extra concentrated to make up for the wet surface that you're going to apply it to. That was Valor. Um, Shield came or Fusion came after that. Fusion is our other rinseless wash product that was derived because guys are traditional wash guys. They like soap and they think that if they don't see soap on the surface, it's not cleaning. So I said, hey, we'll make you a rinseless wash that soaps up just like a soap and you can choose to rinse it off. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. This is another versatile product that works great on windows chrome bumper stuff like that you can use it as like a after like a quick detailer touch-up white bird poop off and then we had uh, shield shield was a very important product and it took me a while to bring shield to the market that's our interior surface protectant and uh, it, it's, it's a coating in itself blue jean dye transfer was a big thing out there and wear and tear on leather seats so i love my avalanche justin and what i wanted to do is preserve my leather seats which are like a light beige color not quite as white as my chair, but they're light. And I wanted to keep those and preserve those over time, but I didn't know of a product out there that I really, really liked. I had used some coatings. So we wanted to create a product that worked for that, that was easy to use, something that detailers could sell to their consumer for long-term protection of the interior panels, and most importantly, the leather seats. Then we had Unity, Um, our tire dressing. I call it Unity because that's the one thing that brings the whole detail together, right? It brings all the Unity, that's why it's called Unity. Uh, and we worked for about two years to develop a, a good product that I thought would work great on tires. You can use it with a brush application for knobby tires and several, pretty much anything that you want to apply some sort of a tire dressing with. Unity is a consistency of like a shampoo, but it has a polymer built into it. So as you drive the vehicle, after it's been applied over time, the tire is going to stay cleaner longer. And then when you do go back to clean the tire again, there isn't all that grime that's bonded to the tire because of the polymer protection in the Unity product. And then we have Breeze. Breeze, I felt like, you know, uh, the industry needed a glass cleaner. And this was kind of uh, something that was near and dear to me, Justin, because there was a time in my detailing career where I went through a slump. Just like NBA basketball players go through a slump and they can't nail a free throw, I couldn't nail a window. I couldn't nail a window. I tried vinegar. I tried water. I tried alcohol. About every glass cleaner you could think of on the planet to try. and And I realized it was me. You know, for the most part, it was me just going through a slump. But I thought, what if we could create a glass cleaner that's so easy to use that even when you go through a slump, it's going to carry you through because the product works that great. And that's where Breeze came from. And um, is that all of them? That's seven? Seven?
0: That glass cleaner is pretty universal too that you have. I mean, have you have you tried using that as a panel prep yet?
1: You can use it as a panel prep. Yeah, you can. Because we don't have any alcohol base to it. It's a, so Breeze is derived from the same technology as our rinseless wash products. And it's pretty simple. What we need is something that's going to go on the surface and immediately break down what's on the surface. The important thing is we need something that's not going to flash too fast and it's not going to stay wet too long. So you yeah. want to remove the surface dirt while allowing flash time without having to go back and overwipe. Most of your streaks and windows come from guys trying to overwipe after the product's already dissipated. So because of the technology built in the glass cleaner, it can be used as a, as a pan of wipe to some degree. It's still not an alcohol base.
0: Correct. Yeah. No, just but somewhere as a, as a light or in between kind of thing, even maybe inspection, right?
1: As an in inspection. Well, it, yeah. Breeze is pH sevens, pH neutral. Oh, nice. So, so yeah, if you, if you spray it on the surface, you can wipe it as a quick detailer. If you wanted to use it as a panel wipe, I probably wouldn't use it solely by itself, but you, you know, know, yeah, I know some guys will use a panel wipe and then go back and want to neutralize that even before they do the coating. So you can do that. Sense. that makes you know, sense.
0: now, Let's talk about your area. You're in Louisville, Kentucky, right?
1: No, or no, no. no. I'm, in, I'm in Brandenburg, Kentucky.
0: That's right. So that's right. It's right. A,
1: we're in Louisville. Yeah. yeah, we're like 30, 45 minutes away.
0: Yeah, that's the closest airport to you. <laughs> it is. It is. That's, that's the what it is. To me.
1: I'm just now outside you... like Fort Knox. If you've seen the Gold Vault before, the Gold Vault's trapped the road from my house. Uh,
0: now... Um, as far as your detailing, right, with you detailing, do you you're detailing out of your house or out of your garage or where are you detailing hey, well, out when you have the opportunity?
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, I still I used to use my shop when I take a job. It's very rare that I take a job anymore because we've grown as ADG in my 30 by 30 32 by 32 shop. Now it's mostly warehouse. You know, and then I, it's funny because my wife, I spent all day Saturday and Sunday cleaning up the floor so I could have room to do videos. And she's like, my gosh, I haven't seen the shop look like this in over a year because it's it's table set up here for packing things out or doing this or mixing that or we blend some of our own stuff. Um, and it's, yeah, I finally cleaned up a whole bunch of mess, got another storage unit. So if I do some detailing jobs, again, I might take one here and there and I'll do it here at the house. But at the same time, the downside is where I live at. There's nothing to rent. There's no commercial property to rent. There's no shop. There is none of that. So For me to find something like that, I mean, I would probably have to go to like Louisville and drive 30, 45 minutes every single day just to go find a commercial property like that.
0: Now, the point of me asking that though, is because when you were actually doing a lot of detailing at that point, I mean, I know every market has its ups and downs, but you're doing pretty well for yourself in regards to pulling in jobs and getting stuff, even for the size market you have. And I I ask and I say that because A lot of detailers, as you know, struggle with always complaining, saying they're not getting enough work because they don't have a big enough market. So I just kind of want you to highlight how that really can be more of an advantage in your way to be the local expert.
1: That's a great question, whether you you just said it, you know, the less people there are, the more people, you know, the fewer people that are going to be the market experts. So it's up to you. You can be that market expert. At one time, I had two employees, you know, in our shop here. I mean, it was a full running shop, got an 80 gallon compressor. We had a pressure wash if we needed it. You know, when we ran two employees and we ran 80 cars a month, you know, something like that. We did a lot of production stuff. Of course, out here, we did some of the wholesale stuff, some of the, de- the uh, dealership stuff. And then we bring our random customers in. There'd be a you know, random paint correction job or ceramic coating job here and there. But I really got a chance going back to the efficiency. So I would tell guys that are in a market uh, that's, you know, geographically not the prime market, if you will. It all is going to come down to your efficiency and delivering to that customer what it is they want. So if you're a business owner, what does that customer want? Just because you want to do a two-step polish and lay a coating down, if they don't understand that or they don't want to buy that, see if you can find a way to make your services fit what they're looking for. Because out here, again, in rural America, some of these jobs are few and far between if you want to survive and eat. So it really comes down to the efficiency of your process. If you can do a job and book it for $250, that's great. How can I make that work for me? And so we've tried to do that in ADG over the years is teach guys Little things, if you want to call them hack tricks or whatever, but little things that you can do to shave time off the detailing process that really don't have a negative adverse effect on the overall outcome. And that's what it boils down to. Is no, so, Justin, and you know this, but any, anytime you have a business, you have to know your business inside and out. You Thank have you. to know your numbers. You have to know what makes you money, what doesn't make you money, where your profits lie, where those margins lie, where your breakover point is. And that doesn't change when you own a detailing business. You have to know where those things are. So you might have to tell a customer, you know, we're probably not a good fit. But before you do that, make sure that you've executed all the process that you that you can pack into your brain or your bag of tools that maybe you could have, you know, $250 detail, you could have put that in your pocket that day.
0: Yeah. And then doing that consistently. And you know, sometimes it's not about getting the biggest ticket, right? Sometimes you know those little tickets when you're effective and efficient add up to a good day or a good week to say to where you're not having to chase big tickets to accommodate
1: people would be amazed at how much less and don't get me wrong i mean i like to polish cars too i still find enjoyment in that but people would be amazed at how much less work i guess you could say it is to do like wash clay and seals or wash clay in a one step i'm 44 years old um i know i look 20 but i'm 44 (laughs) years old and you know to run that machine across across that car day in and day out it would, it would wear me down but i also want to say this man for guys that want to grow the business you have to get off your tool you have to get off your tool you have to run your business and you might have to hire somebody else to fill in that position well you don't want to hire somebody that's going to need a high level of tech knowledge right technology knowledge of the substrate of the vehicle all these other things they probably don't care as much as you do anyway but if you can get off your tools implement processes that make money that keep with the wheels turning then you can focus on the marketing the email content the things that you have to do for your business and turn that over to somebody else that again you can turn that process and make it duplicatable to somebody else the guys out there and i'm not putting anybody down but the guys out there trying to go for 99 percent correction you're probably never going to hire somebody to be able to do that
0: you're yeah, going to replace yourself i'll tell you in, in in my shop in my business you know regardless of my experiences, trainings, and all the things and time I put in day in and day out, like we all have, right, that are are veterans in the detailing industry, the amount of work that you put into it and, and being able to get to that level of paint correction, that's fine and dandy for your own craftsmanship that you've been able to execute. But realistically, at the end of the day, those one steps you should be between, I would say that that 50 to 70 mark, maybe if you're that good, you know, if you're not that good, 50% still great. Right. And even yeah. getting into a two-step 70 to 90% is more realistic. But when you start here in 90 plus percent, it's like, listen, not, not to take away or say, or discredit that somebody can't get that or hundred percent. So be it. But to chase that for the dollar amount that's needed, or I should say the time that's invested to get the return on that dollar amount, that's different. That's, that's unrealistic. No,
1: no. It's I use a cell phone store analogy. <clears throat> like when we go to a cell phone store. If you and your wife go to the cell phone store, you're going to buy new cell phones, upgrade your plan, whatever. You know, seem like you sit there for two or three hours just trying to get your phone. That's almost like buying a car. You sit there and go over your plan and all that. And when you leave, you got this bag of all your receipts, all your boxes, all these things. Within four or five days of leaving the cell phone store, you're probably going to lose or retain only maybe 60% of what they told you. Sorry, so people live busy lives. When they come to your detail shop, they're, they're not on your level. They're not going to understand all the things that you tell them. They're only going to be able to retain about 60% of what you told them because people have busy lives. They have kids. Their kids are involved in sports. The wife has a job. The husband has a job. This happens. The market is volatile. They can't remember everything that you told them, whether it's a five-year coding or a seven-year coding. Was it a nine-year code? They can't remember all that. or They don't know what 90% correction is. They know what shiny car is. Yep. So uh, if guys would focus on the thought that we are a solution to a problem, right? And, and maybe we're not, our goal is not to, you know, see how great we are. You can do that in your spare time, your off time. Your goal, the goal for you guys should be to see how good you are running a business because the day is going to come. If you love what you're doing, you're going to be in it long enough. You're going to need to learn how to run that business and not run that polisher.
0: And, it, and it's good to be able to know how to be well seasoned at executing that level of service for that type of customer, Right. If they are absolutely wanting that and you're listening to them and they're willing to pay for your time, then absolutely go get it. But, you know, the realistic day in, day out business side of detailing is not that. Now, some markets have higher uh, quantity of those demands, um, but the majority, not so much, right? You know, like you said, to that wash, clay and seal approach, you know, that's something that let's just say you throw a number out there, a buck fifty. For a regular four-door sedan i mean you have got six of those that's nine hundred dollars a day that's something exactly you right. know you're, you're you're just shy of five grand a week and as, as a one-man band that's pretty easy to achieve and even with a helper you're home by three four o'clock you know with family and still pulling off you know almost five g's a week which is you know just shy again you'd be between that you know maybe eighteen 000 to twenty thousand dollars a month that puts you you know just shy of two hundred thousand dollars a year or right around there in revenue i mean that's Quick, easy math, and you never even touched a polisher. Never even owned one.
1: (laughs) It's exactly well. It's funny because I've had some conversation with some friends in the back, and I and I use the analogy of a van. What if you had four mobile vans on the road that are doing two hundred dollars jobs? They do five a day. Each van made a thousand dollars. That's four thousand dollars in a day between your vans, right? Gross numbers, but they ain't gonna know how to run a polisher. Four thousand dollars. That's twenty thousand dollars a week, brother. Yeah, grand a month. Who's you know? So I don't care. I mean, I. There is a lot of pride in knowing what you can do and how you can manipulate a surface to create a certain shine. But I think as you get older and you mature and you have family and you have health insurance and things that pop up in your life, I think it's better to know that you have that money there. And, And let me throw this in here too. If detailing isn't for you, learning how to run a business is transferable to other industries. If you decide you want to do something else, but learning how to run that business, the dollars and cents that make it up, I think. You know, that's the one thing that, that yeah, I've taken away from my career in detailing. is So, you know, aside from the things I've learned, but I've learned how to run a business.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and liability, right? When you have simple services, more common core services to say, it removes a lot of liability. And those that have a hard time struggling to find employees, that makes it a lot more simplistic in that category to keep and retain an employee because the services are so entry level that your liability is is almost obsolete in a way. Right to where it helps keep that continued effort as, as a team and makes it a lot more simple moving forward and growing.
1: Duplicatable. It's just duplicatable. Yes. So calls yes. in sick, you can bring another guy and Hey, this is the general way we wash a car or whatever you guys do it, you know, but at the end of the day, you got to clean it, shine it and protect it. That's it. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. you, know, you got to clean it, shine it and protect it.
0: And, when, and just like when you were in uh, the early, like, let's say late nineties, early two thousands, when you washed, clayed, and waxed a vehicle with the old school, you know, ugh, paste wax, and it got delivered, regardless of what was underneath that wax as far as micro-scratches, swirls, things of that nature, that customer was ecstatic. They were just through the roof. Am I right or wrong? How many of them were just, oh, like, were blown the, away?
1: They were through the roof. It's, it's funny that you say that because this is something I've told a couple of guys that I've counseled with, and it's, it's pretty simple. Um, somebody could disagree with me, and that's fine, but they would be wrong. But so let's say a car comes in, you're either going to sell them a paint correction or you're not, right? So they'll say, well, regardless what process you're using or who's doing the job, whatever, as long as you, because how you do one thing is how you do everything. If you take care in the way that you take care of your customers and pride in the way that you run your business, inevitably, you're going to do a good job. But the customer comes, you sell them a paint correction, great. Wash the vehicle. Any micro scratches that you put in the car, you're going to remove them anyway, right? You're not going to further damage the car. And if you don't sell them on a paint correction, they probably didn't see the scratches to begin with. So stop overthinking it. Yeah. They're probably, no, 100%. You
0: know,
1: any, any added micro scratches that you may or may not but you know, any micro scratches that you may put in there, they're never going to see that. They're hidden amongst all the other millions of scratches on the car and a lot of people don't care about that. A lot of people do, but there's a vast mo- you know, majority of the motor in public that doesn't see it and doesn't care.
0: No, And, and don't get me wrong, a lot of what has evolved from that time frame to now? There's a lot of variables to that, right? Manufacturers, you know, putting new products out, new machines out, things that make it easier, more effective and efficient, but also, you know, pushing to that next level as we as an industry do with taking things to that, you know, we're going to remove this, we're going to remove that. And then little by little, they become a standard. And then, you know, all the other platforms that are in the world right now on the, you know, internet, such as YouTube, social media, all those things that are at a consumer's fingertips to now they have somewhat of a consumer awareness, whether it be through that or even a friend or family member word of mouth. Now they're educated on this next level service that has become now more of a standard. So it pushes us, don't get me wrong, but it also sets the the, the standards and goals for doing those services versus the old school stuff, which realistically, it's still all like what you said, Clean, shiny, and protected is what they're after.
1: Well, modern technology has brought a lot of relevancy into what we do. Customers are more informed now than they've ever been. So back in the day, they didn't know. So your average customer, if he's a car guy, is pretty astute on what's going on. He's watched the YouTube videos. That's a good thing because, like you mentioned, it's brought and elevated our industry and what we are. We're paint correction guys or whatever. A lot of these guys know they can't do paint correction. And that's where the paint correction market is at for those guys. Ceramic coating market, same thing. Yeah, so there's more. There's more knowledge out there now than there has ever been. More educated consumer, which that's what you want is a consumer who already has a basic understanding of what you're selling them. It's easier to convert them over to a oh, sale.
0: Oh goodness, yes.
1: You know, and then the processes to achieve the results we're looking for are way easier now than they've ever been, and they continue to get easier.
0: Yeah, no, and that just that just makes it overall better, like you said, with the customer or consumer already being aware of some of that lingo and process it does make it easier to convert them but you know all of this in general like we're talking about you know and and not to get off on the wrong foot with anybody that is listening this is just different perspectives of it i mean we do correction we do codes we do all that stuff you know it's just one of those things different ways to look at it you know those guys that are just getting started these are little you know tips to help them generate more revenue without having to get into the big leagues to say And for those that are in the big leagues, they appreciate because they know that they started somewhere with doing most of these services anyways, because that's how you kind of evolved over time. So we're just, you know, creating that narrative that kind of makes full circle. So, you know, no shade thrown on any of those types of services, but just more or less mentioning for perspective. Um, So with, with this month um, being SEMA and SEMA month, um, did you stay home? Did you have an opportunity to go and check everything out? How did that work out for you?
1: We didn't go to SEMA. Um, you know, it, uh, that wasn't crazy about the whole mask mandate. I just didn't like the idea of sitting there and talking for eight hours a day with a mask on. And that's, that's the way they presented it, right? There was going to be mask yeah. mandates, and I didn't want to do that. So we stayed home and focused more on our marketing, product development, you know, working on our newsletters and, and working on the back end of this thing that makes it a business. Missed, you know, seeing everybody, which we could have been there the people that went said they had a great time and it was a good event. And I'm glad it did. I'm glad they had some kind of a turnout because, you know, somebody always gets something out of it, whether you go or whether you stay home, how you invest that time to benefit you is the most important thing. So we stayed home.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you invested your time. You, you looked at your marketing plan for 2022 and I'm sure now there's a lot more States, a lot more individuals getting comfortable looking into the scope of 2022 especially with events, right? You know, I know that at this point, the big talk is mobile tech now in, you know, late January. Um, and that's where I see a lot of people that may be in attendance for oh, that man. above and beyond what, what SEMA add But that's okay because yeah. that triggers the rest of the year to kind of set the stage for what SEMA is going to look like, right? Which that's true. <laughs> 2022, if all goes well, <laughs> SEMA might have its biggest year because what I remember 2019, from, from And I could be wrong, but from what I remember, 2019, they said they had the biggest attendance to date. So if, if, if we end up hitting that kind of flip side of it for the buildup and the anticipation and go into 2022 that way, we may see that that duplicate itself, if not more.
1: I think mobile tech 2022 is going to be big. People are, are the one great thing about our industry is the camaraderie, the people, no matter what level you are. You know, in, in, in the industry, we know each other from being online. We know each other from meeting up at different events over the years. And it's just a great time to get with your with your people, right? Your, with your buddies and your friends and reflect on the last year and, and learn new things. Uh, but I think mobile tech is going to be huge. But, yeah, I'm like you. If SEMA goes off next year, and it should, man, my goodness, it might be the biggest one that they've ever had.
0: Yeah. And and you, you mentioned something that kind of struck a string with me is that the whole meeting online, right? We've had two years. And there's a lot of people that have come into the detail industry. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on on social media that uh, it's not necessarily true. Right. It's like, it's like the old school dating sites, you know, you kind of go in and you meet this person and it's almost like a blind date. And then when you see them in real life, they're not half of anything or the catfish kind of scenario. (laughs) 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 There's a lot of that. And, And I'm not, again, not throwing shade on anybody, but just why, you know, you brought it up to light to me. And I, I kind of, uh, yeah, some, just, some of you guys
1: need to work on your online presence and make sure it, you know, it aligns with uh, who you are in person. <laughs> Bingo.
0: Yeah. So when we do go to these events, we're not disappointed. You know what I mean? They just keep it real. That's all we ask because there is a lot of misleading things going on. And that's the thing. You can't call somebody a friend just because you met them on Facebook. I mean, they're a Facebook friend technically by the title of what it says on Facebook when you have your friends list. But let's truly look at friends when we used to go bang on our friends' doors you know, you as a kid would pick and choose when the weekend came, whose door you were going to bang on to hang out with, right? Ride bikes, That's skateboards right. and go fishing with or whatever it may be. Now it's like, because you have these people at your fingertips, that are not necessarily all your friends. Uh, they're friendly, but that doesn't mean that they, you could actually give them that title until I would say you invest in meeting them and really getting to know what their personality is because it goes both ways, right? They could be complete opposites of how they portray to be on social media, uh, they could be a great guy. They could be a jerk. They could be this. They could be that. You don't know. So definitely the biggest thing I would say to that is getting to events, getting to meet and greets, getting to wherever you could be, where you're surrounding yourself with other detailers so you could actually meet them in person to truly understand who that individual is and the values they bring. And if you want to be able to call them a true friend, you know, I know, Billy, I could call you a friend. You know, we've seen each other, hung out, had drinks. We've had multiple conversations, whether it be in person or over the phone. And it, and it wasn't necessarily social media that triggered that. That was actually being in the trenches, going to in events. And tr- uh, that was the difference.
1: Well, these friendships are forged over time. And one of the questions that I've gotten from from people over the years, hey, man, is it worth going to these events? Is it worth going to a SEMA or a mobile tech? And I'd say 100% it is because what you see, just like you just said, what you see in the real the real thing, we're all there, right? You're there, I'm there, Rennie's there, everybody's there. You get to meet all of us, you get to talk to us, and you will see that the detail industry, what it is live and in person is even different than somewhat what you see on the internet. You know, a lot of these guys are great people, but you get a chance to actually meet and interact with the people that you see online. And then you judge for yourself, for your friends. Our friendships are forged over time.
0: Bingo, Yeah. Exactly. And then you also get to, you know, network. And that's, I think the biggest growth aspect is being able to meet these people who are honest to who they are and learning from them. Because a lot of people, a lot of detailers, uh, a lot of influencers, whoever it may be, uh, that are true to who they are, they are willing to also help you grow and build you up and, 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 any questions, anything you have, a lot of them, they'll be more than willing to help you out, especially again, like going back to the business side, you know, we could all learn how to correct paint and prep it and make an interior look great. That's the easy side. It's the, it's that's the right. business side that's challenging. That's the chess game, you know, that's, that's really what makes and breaks the whole scenario. So
1: let me just go ahead and throw this in there, Jess. And it's important guys that are listening out there to surround yourself with people that you want to be like, surround yourself with people who are where you want to go but by the same token, make sure the people you're trying to surround yourself with that you're going to elevate yourself to that same statue because you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. So, you know, if you want to be a winner, hang out with winners, but you have to do winning things, too. And then we all a rising tide rises up, lifts all ships, right? A rising tide lifts all ships.
0: Yeah. yeah. And advice is good from all angles, but mature, seasoned advice can be even better. You know, somebody who's done it for 10 20 30 years is probably going to be able to give you a dialed in advice versus the guy that's on year two with you you know and and that's that's where they're going through the same struggles not that they would have bad advice but their perspective they just haven't put in the time to really go over those hurdles the same way that the 10 20 30 year guy has
1: you know, Andy Priscilla says in his podcast, he talks about entrepreneurs, he talks about there's levels of this. And, you know, so I, I'm involved with Apex with Ryan Steumann, Hardcore Closers, Apex uh, Mastermind Group. And then Ryan is involved with Arte. You have Arte Syndicate. You have, you know, every every teacher has a teacher, right? There's levels mm-hmm. of this stuff. And, and Andy said one day, he's like, you know, the uh, the billionaires in the room are some of the most giving people of their time and knowledge. They want to see other people Come up to their level. We're gonna put more people in that billionaire room or that millionaire room or just that successful room. People who truly are winners in life want to bring more people to that table, to that room. Put more winners in that room.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's so true. It's just I heard a saying the other day. A gentleman was telling a story, not a saying, but it was more of a story where he was talking about how he thought it was very hard to obtain ten thousand dollars a month in revenue. And then he started hanging out with guys that were doing, you know, over six figures in revenue per month, and it made $10,000 look easy. And then over time, it was easy for him and and so on and so forth. uh, You basically end up surrounding yourself, to your point, with people that are like-minded or better to help push you to that level you want to get to. And again, that goes both ways, craft, business, but I feel there's more weight in that business side, you know, because that's really what gets you where you want to be, right?
1: that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned even with ADG is that business into that, but sitting in front of this computer, we writing up newsletters or working on product descriptions or how I'm going to promote the product or, you know, that's, that's been probably the, uh, the biggest. So, you know, I can make 20 new products next week. That, that is not going to turn the nozzle, you know, the needle on my success in business, but learning things behind the scenes that I don't know or didn't know, or not quite as good at are going to make more of a difference than just adding more products to the, to the lineup.
0: No, hundred percent agree. So, what do you have um, in store? Anything between now and the holidays, or we are, uh, you know,
1: we um, we were going to launch another product. We're going to hold that off probably to the first of the year. Had some bumps in the road with it, but uh, so I think some bundle kits is something that's on our radar, where guys can get, you know, maybe a, we sell a lot of F bomb and we sell a lot of wipeouts. So why not make a bundle kit where you can get them both in a bundle kit? Uh, that goes back to taking my own advice of trying to not necessarily be a product seller, but a solution to a problem. So I've been yes. looking for some bundle kits coming. We have a, another shop mat, ADG shop mat, that we have not launched yet. That's something we're going to work on. I got guys all the time hitting me up for apparel, more shirts. We're going to make more shirts and hoodies. And guys, when I can get out of here and get out on the road and, and find me a good apparel guy, then we're going to bring more apparel stuff to the market as well. So I know you guys are wearing me out. And my hats are about wore out, so we're about to do for some new ones.
0: I'm looking for the mesh half-shirts that say trenches. Hey, we should do some 80s throwback half-shirts. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Look, I want to come out looking like Macho Man, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) i got to get the tight spandex and the half-shirt, you know, with the little things that hang off the sleeves.
1: (laughs) Be the part. Oh, yeah. Be the part.
0: No, oh, That's awesome. Well, as far as, um, you know, coming up on time, how would everybody get a hold of you and or get their hands on being able to try out some uh, ADG products?
1: Well, you can, you can email us at American detailer garage LLC at gmail.com or websites American detailer And then we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, other areas I need to work more on my social media stuff. And then just me personally, you know, Billy Bogus. I'm on Instagram and, and on Facebook. So you can reach out, shoot me a message or send me an email. Uh, I don't get my phone number out anymore, so, you know, Understand. and there's a there's a reason for that. Yeah, there's a reason for that, guys, and, and it's because, you know, DMs, I start checking my DMs about 8 o'clock in the morning. That's when we start our day after our morning routines, what we do, and getting our head right, um, and then I'm ready to engage with people. So, it's, it's you know, the DM's the slowest way, but it's, you know, it's one way to get a hold of me, and we'll get back in touch with you, or just email us, AmericanDetailerGarageLLC at gmail.com
0: awesome and there's a lot of informational videos youtube uh stuff that billy's done on his facebook page and then of course we just recently a couple months back did the product videos at uh auto geek as well so that way anybody who's looking for additional information there's all kinds of stuff out there um and, and you have any last words of advice i know we've kind of covered a lot of stuff but is there anything that really you could throw out there for everybody uh watching or listening
1: it was a balance to everything. And uh, just because you know you love the passion and business today, make sure that you don't put so much deposits into that basket that something else in your life struggles. So there are four quadrants of your life that make up the best version of you. And it's faith, family, fitness, and finance. So throughout your day, throughout your week, months, and the years ahead, make sure you put equal deposits in all four of those things because you want, ultimately, whether a success, retirement, or the end of your life, you want all four of those areas to be rich. And that's very important.
0: That with all those F's, I consider that the F bomb.
1: That's the F bomb, baby.
0: Well, Billy, thank you as always. I much appreciate you taking your time out on behalf of Buff and Shine. We appreciate it and thank you, along with everybody who's had the take taking the time out of their day. It's live listening, whether it be on social media uh, or wherever else you'll see. And of course, our platforms are on all, um, you know, YouTube and all the uh, podcast platforms. So you can find this is Reflection Artist live number 51 with billy august uh owner and operator of american detailer garage so thank you billy and um we'll look forward to maybe again looking at this another year from now
1: anytime you're ready justin thank you and thank you buff and sean as well
0: awesome take care man have a good rest of your day and everybody take care take care guys Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out BuffAndShine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.